says in Proverbs, it says, 1434, righteousness exalted a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I believe, and as we just have seen the commentary in the news of even in the, within the past 24 hours, that America is facing the most perilous period of spiritual darkness in its history. In my lifetime, I marvel to see how we have plummeted so fast and so quickly. When you look at the streets of the inner cities, the major cities, when you see states that have lost their way and we have shifted to become a country that desires to be socialistic, a nation that has done everything in its power to assassinate our forefathers, to deface the heritage of this great land of, of America. We're living in a dark day. We know behind it all is the forces of evil because... Satan knows if he can destroy the fiber and the strength of this great land of America, that he can keep us from influencing his chosen people on the face of the earth, and that is the nation of Israel. I think that's one thing that Satan has hated about this land, is because America has always stood with God's chosen people. And the Bible tells us, those who bless Israel will be blessed. Those that curse Israel shall be cursed. No matter how you feel about the nation of Israel, Israel is God's chosen people. And they need to be prayed for. Paul says in the scriptures that he had shared, he says his prayer is that Israel might be saved. And we do know prophetically, Israel will one day embrace Jesus Christ. And they will see the error of their way. And they shall weep and mourn. And God will open up a fountain and forgive the sins of Israel. And Israel will be the only eternal nation that will live on forever. All the other nations will be rolled out with the tide, but Israel will live on forever because of the promise and the one who sits on the seat of King David, which is Jesus Christ. There's no question that an erosion of morality and values is now plaguing the American people right under the nose of the church. In fact, most of this situation has been instigated by socialistic leaders who have gained seats of power in this land, attempting to inflame and bait every difference in the American people in order to pit Americans against each other and creating one crisis after another so they can claim that only the government can be our savior and can solve our problems. And may I say this, government is not and never will be the answer to any country's problems. Government is and will always be the biggest part of the problem that all citizens face. And it's obvious the direction that we're going as a nation, the protective hand of God is being lifted off our our land as evil men seek to destroy our people. And we've seen that within the past 24 hours. We've seen it, the trend taking place. But even though the socialistic agenda of those in power are aiming to destroy America's morality and values, and 
It's not they who are the only cause of this problem. It is the forces of darkness. The Bible says, the prince and the power of the air, the one who is like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. It is Satan who has managed to unleash his minions to orchestrate the, the moral and spiritual decay of our country along with what sure looks to be a full-fledged destruction of America as our nation. But in the face of the devastation that we're seeing in our land today, how can we as the family of God make a difference to see America restored? What can we do? And what are our thoughts this morning? And how can we in Cecil County, how can we here at Crossroads Bible Church, how can we make a difference in America? That's one thing the devil tells all of us, and that is you're just one person versus millions and millions of citizens in, in the United States. You're just a speck of sand. You're totally irrelevant. But God can take one woman, one man, one little widow woman. God can take one person who is consecrated to him and turn an entire nation back to God. The Bible has proven that time and time again. Satan doesn't want me to preach the sermon because he doesn't want to get you excited about standing in the gap and praying that God would restore America through your prayers and by your devotion to him. Three thoughts this morning about restoring America. Number one, the big first thought is that is we need to learn from America's past. In fact, there's a Bible verse that says in Psalms 9, 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. God doesn't want us to forget our past. He doesn't want us to forget about the history of this great land. I have love, I'm a history buff, love to study, and I have found that America was born through one of the greatest spiritual awakenings of all time in the early 1700s. God raised up some powerful preachers and, and revival took place in this country through the preaching of the word of God. And there was a man named George Whitfield and God used him. The Bible says that as he would preach the word of God, he had a face like a lion as he boldly declared the word of God and how the Holy Spirit of God used him and swayed the hearts of many people back to God. Then there was Jonathan Edwards. And I can go on, and God raised up preachers. And through these preachers and through the preaching of the Word of God, there was the birth of revival. But it wasn't just about the preacher. It was about the recipients of those who received the Word of God that took the Word of God to heart and did something with what they heard. And God started a revival. It was called the Great Awakening. It began under the powerful anointed preaching and to establish churches. And it gave congregations a deep sense of their need and a personal salvation through Jesus Christ. And it awakened pulling people away from their mere rituals found in so many of the early churches, which focused on empty ceremonies and shallow sacraments. It awakened the individual to see true Christianity as intense personal encounter with the God of heaven over one's sin and salvation. It was a people that began to realize that we can connect to the holy God and have a powerful relationship with him. And I think it's easy and humanly possible to underestimate the power and the presence of God in our lives because we lack the faith 
and we fail to seek him. It has also brought about the awareness of the availability of the personal redemption through Christ. Authentic conversions during this time promoted a new standard of individual morality that elevated this entire land called America. America was founded through a spiritual revival. The movement began under the preaching of Jonathan Edwards, who was an attorney at law. God called him to preach, and he left his law practice, and he was well known for his one sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and that one sermon was preached all over this land, and it, it touched the hearts of many people. The essence of that message was that there was nothing that kept sinners from slipping down into the fires of hell except the grace of God. And I would read history books and about people who've passed on their testimony, who actually heard that sermon. They said that as he preached, even midway through the sermon, that people could not sit in the pews, but rather stood up. And he said, you could see their fingernails being dug into the back of the pews because of the fear of God that would grip their hearts. So amazing. Because we all deserve judgment He said that God was holding that fire at bay, waiting for men to repent. When Jonathan Edwards preached the message, the power of the Holy Spirit came over him in such a way that people literally sensed the fires of hell just burning below their pews. There were screams of people who felt like their their feet were hitting the flames of hell. It became such a powerful move of God. We might not be slipping into God's actual fiery hell this morning, yet we're surely about to descend into a hell on earth of our own making. And unfortunately for the American church, the inferno will be aimed primarily at those who are believers. The first targets will be those who profess to have a moral character and belief in God. And that's the perplexing side of America's dilemma. And I get paperwork all the time saying you better alter the way you preach because if you stand up and preach as the Bible says, you're going to face persecution because of that. You're going to face lawsuits because of that. Unless the people of faith repent on their part of America's decline and fall, this entire country will soon be awash in the blood of its own citizens. I'm told by CLA and Christian Law Associations for pastors and preachers, and they're saying, you better know your boundaries. And I thought to myself, we're living in a day when you stand up for truth, you can be labeled as being one to promote hate crimes. And it's not about having a hateful spirit. It's about proclaiming the truth of the Lord from the pulpit. Is preaching, thus saith the Lord God Almighty. And let me tell you something. I have a greater fear of God than I do this country of America. There was a second great awakening in the early 1800s in which more of those outside the churches came to be soundly converted. A great revival. is interesting, and, and I love reading about revivals, and it would be a great study for you sometimes just to read about revivals of the past, how God uh, came and his presence manifested himself in a very secular society, in a very declining society, and how God reversed it. 
There was the, the great Welsh revival in 1904 through 1905. There was a preacher named Evan Roberts, and, and he was a, a coal miner, and yet he gave his life to preaching the gospel. And he uh, founded this church, and for 13 years he prayed diligently that God would awaken his country. He himself and then it wasn't long, through his preaching, there was a, a teenager, a 19-year-old girl named Flory Evans. And she was so touched by the Spirit of God that, that she began to pray, this teenage girl. And she gathered some of her teenage friends together, and they began to have prayer meetings. And, and she prayed that God would spark a revival in her church. And they prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed, and, and God answered her prayer. And there was one service where the Spirit of God moved over the, the congregation and God manifested himself. And the Bible says that the service never ended. People wouldn't go home. In fact, it, it ended at three o'clock in the morning. People finally began to break away, but they came back the next day. Listen to this. They came back on a Monday night and a Tuesday night and a Wednesday night, and the people lingered. There was no formal beginning of the service, and there was no formal ending of the service. It was not an hour capsule of time. It was a continuation. The people lingered, and then people began to talk about the Spirit of God that opened up in that church and how people kept coming from all over, and, and, and Campbell Morgan, one of the great pastors and theologians heard about this and he came and, and, and he sat under the preaching of that service. But he said even the preaching was cut short because the spirit of God was like a tsunami over his people and the people just stayed under the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit and they were converted and they were transformed and they became so in love with Jesus they couldn't help but get to church because they felt the almighty presence of the Lord. And for two years, every day, people couldn't wait to get off from work. And, and the first thing they kept thinking about is, i got to get to church. Because when I get to church, I sense the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. I read about these revivals. And from that ripple effect, it affected and impacted an entire nation called America. They said that in a very short period of time, there was over 150,000 people brought to Christ. In our lifetime, we saw Brownsville, Florida. There was a revival broke out there. There was a congregation that said, we want to make a difference and we want to see God change this land called America. And they began to pray earnestly and God poured out his spirit. He answered their prayers and they sought for the Lord and they became hungry for the things of God. And God's spirit poured out upon that church and pastors and preachers all over the world came to that church. You couldn't even get into the parking lot. People couldn't wait. They would come hours early and they would begin singing and praising God. And there was a there wasn't even any preaching. There wasn't a sermon preached, but rather the Spirit of God opened up and God's people drank in the Holy Spirit of God. And I thought to myself, we at Crossroads, we serve the same God in Wales. We serve the same God that the Spirit of God broke out in England. We serve the same God that broke his Spirit out in Brownsville, Florida. History makes it pretty clear that there were several revivals that impacted this land called America and restored it back to its sole purpose of God's blessing. 
They turned people to God and brought truth and honesty and morality to many. And now America desperately needs that kind of restoration. At this stage, probably America's only hope of survival is the coming of a third great awakening, if the Lord tarries. Unless we receive something on that order very soon, the forces that are arrayed against us will bring this once great nation down upon our heads. We need to pray for the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit in our church. We don't need more religion. We don't need more organization. What we need more than anything is the manifestation and the presence of God. Let God renew you from the inside out. The last thing you need is rituals and ceremonies and religion. What you need this morning is the power of the Holy Spirit to transform your heart, to transform your family's heart, and the most important aspect is we need the power of the Holy Spirit to open up from this church that would transform this country. That the people would go by and say, you know, when I go by that Crossroads Bible Church, I sense something pulling me in there. There's something great happening there. there. There's something marvelous there. It's not about the people. It's about their Savior. It's about their God. People need the Lord. When America crashes, if there's no change, the force for destruction will come from within. Our own people will be turned upon us. Brother will rise against brother, even as Jesus predicted in Mark chapter 13, verse 12. They'll do this in the mistaken belief that they will be creating a new and a better world order. Anarchy, and we're seeing it. And then the second big thought, and that is we need to reflect over the spiritual condition of America. Deuteronomy 12:31 says, "You must not worship the Lord your God the way the other nations worship their gods, for they perform for their gods every detestable act that the Lord hates." Years ago, when things were not so nearly out of control, Billy Graham made the statement that if God allowed America to go on much longer in its present spiritual condition, that he should need to offer a personal apology to Sodom and Gomorrah. America today has a great resemblance to those judged cities. But our sins are cleanly tucked away from view. We have whitewashed our tombs like the people in the Lord's day. On the outside, we have our tidy streets. We have our glittering lights. We have our booming technology. But inside our bedrooms and our computers and our internet sites are filled with evil excesses our sins would surely make our fathers blush if they looked over our shoulders we live in a very sinful stained day with unrivaled immorality videotaped sexuality with every form of perversion imaginable open wife swapping clubs now popping up all over this country the victims of rampant sexual slavery in america is astounding Numbers in the millions, there's a hidden but real explosion of child pornography, the unimpeded murder of our unwanted children, and a level of greed which has no limits. We have become a people that desires the dollar bill than we do the Holy Spirit. Movies like The Wolf of Wall Street glorifying the lifestyles of greedy psychopath de deviants who want to prey on the innocent. 
Every single day in America, God weeps as 3,000 babies a day are murdered in the womb. We use over 70% of all the world's illicit drugs. We're the pornography production capital of the world with child porn and so many other deviant behaviors displayed on thousands of hidden but still very available websites. We have become a wicked, wicked nation. And we need God's forgiveness. America Christians have fallen away. We have become so intoxicated with the spirit of this world that we've lost our spiritual moorings. Sunday, the Lord's Day, has become a non-issue. Giving to the Lord and tithing and all of those things have become non-existent in the life of in the majority of believers. People have steadily declined in their worship of the Lord. And today, the church attendance and the support of the Lord's work has become almost non-existent. The church has weakened. No wonder our land is falling apart at the seams is because the church is failing in its calling. While the church has grown cold, Satanism, and now I cannot believe I'm even reading this, but the integration of the Wiccan movement is now moving into the church. The church and the Wiccans have become one-on-one together. And now there's a spirit of atheism that is penetrating into the church like violent weeds sprouting beneath those black plastic landscape tarps unnoticed as they come now into the body of Christ. We have become a weakened church in our attendance, weakened in our prayers, weakened in our finances, and the church cannot stand in the evil day in which it's been called to take the leadership of spiritual life. Freedom of religion is no longer a right. The so-called concept of separation of church, which is nowhere found in the Constitution, is now interpreted by the state to be a freedom from religion. The notion has gained so much traction that every governmental power center now threatens Christians and anyone of faith to shut up or risk persecution or be labeled hate crimes because we stand for what the Bible teaches. Illegal immigrants, especially criminals, have now turned loose in the streets against law-abiding citizens. Hatred is rising between the classes of people, especially against law enforcement, public authoritative servants, against average Americans on the street. We have now seen anarchy and craziness breaking out everywhere. And then we need to embrace, thirdly, the hope of the restoration for America. It just seems like as I'm preaching this, I know you're kind of overwhelmed and my gracious, I haven't even scratched the surface. But is there hope? Is the hour too late? That's what happened to Israel. Before the Babylonians came, Jeremiah went and he preached in the streets and the Bible says that the people said, don't, don't tell us this stuff. Don't, don't, don't make us feel bad. Don't, don't make us feel guilty. Speak to us smooth things. Tell us what we want to hear. Tell us about positive thinking. T- tell us about nice things. Don't say, thus saith the Lord. We don't want to hear what God has to say. We, we, we're humans. we got a mind of our own. We, we have a will of our own. We don't need God to dictate to us. And they rejected the will and the word of God. Totally rejected it. Jeremiah preached. He wept as he saw his people turn their backs on him. It wasn't long they took Jeremiah and they put him in jail. They locked him up. The Babylonians came, 
They came swiftly and quickly. They took the king, they took the leaders, and they, they took the prime of the people and slaughtered millions and millions of the common people, and they died. And, and they took them back to Babylonia and made them slaves. And for 70 years, they served under the tyranny of a Gentile wicked king. And finally, the Israelite people saw it was God that was disciplining them. They saw the error of the way, then they turned to the Lord, and God brought them back to their land. But for 70 years, there, were, there, was, there wasn't a soul on the streets of Israel. Jerusalem was emptied out. The palaces were emptied. The homes were emptied. All there was was beasts and animals roaming the place. Is there hope? 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, in this word, he opens it up, he says, If, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, and if, if my people, if my people would, if they would just pray to me, if, if my people would would look my way if they would seek my face and, and if they will be willing to turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and, and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. If, if, if my people. He wasn't talking about those who were lost and embedded deeply in their secular society. He said, if, if my people, my, my, if, if my people in the temple, if my people in the sanctuary, if my people would, if my, if my people would pray, if, if they would turn to me, if they would look my way, and if they would just confess their sins, if they would be willing to put me as number one on their hearts, if they would honor me, if, if they would honor me, I will Heal their land. America needs another great awakening. If there's any hope for turning the great national slide into apostasy and the coming destruction. And I'm praying that somehow, some way God will see fit to to bring restoration of our great land of America and raise up a great church with a simple voice crying out from the wilderness who clearly says, restore America because she's worth it. Restore America because Israel needs a friend. Amen. Restore America because this is the last bastion of truth in, in the world. It has been that light on the hill that, that, that puts out the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When America was founded, they said, what is the secret of the greatness of America? And they said, America is great because America is good. And America is good because America loves God. The kingdom of God is at hand. I appreciate what Pastor Brad said. Man, I thought, and we hadn't even talked about what I was preaching about. He says, we're, we're into planting seeds. He talked about leaving a legacy. And I thought to myself, wow, we got this little wind of time left in our lives. 
And we don't want to go out like a bunch of milk toast. We don't want to go out just turning our head the other way while our nation slides into the abyss. We want to, as a people, want to abide by God. Yes, we're only one person. We're only one church. But never underestimate what God can do with one person and one, one church. Once it's surrendered into his almighty hands, God says, I'm looking and I'm searching for a man to stand in the hedge. A man. A man. A woman. A widow woman. The gates of hell will not prevail against you if you repent and repent while there's still time. Strong church, strong nation. We have churches that, who've abandoned the word of God. I know people that I rubbed shoulders with at one time stood for the fundamental basic beliefs of the truths of God and now question whether or not Jesus Christ literally arose from the grave, they really questioned whether or not Jesus Christ was born a virgin. And now they want to be accepted by the world. They want the world to embrace them. So they've given up all the miraculous truths of the dogmas and the doctrines of the faith to be embraced by the world. Jumping in their quicksand and dying and going to hell with them, my friend, that will never save and deliver a nation. America was born and was created as a Christian nation. And we need to come back and be the voice for the Lord Jesus Christ in this generation that has lost its way. Young people are committing suicide by the millions in this land called America. And we need to come back and say, there is hope. There's a purpose of life. And there's a reason why we're created. And that is to honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're here to serve him throughout all eternity. We need the Lord. We need the Lord. God uses speakers and preachers and prophets to start great awakenings. But all great spiritual works of national restorations begin when God's people pray in the background, pleading with the Lord to unleash his hand of national restoration. Restoration happens among the individuals who are converted and who return back to the Lord when they are transformed and empowered by the Spirit of God. We need to be hungry Christian believers, not people who just have a sideline profession of being Christians, but people that are full-time Christians. We need to be hungry for personal repentance, unity, and leadership. We need to be broken before God, broken because of the sins of our fellow Americans, broken because of our own sins and our family's sins, broken before God as we intercede for our national political, business, and spiritual leaders to humble themselves before God. Remember that restoration is also caught. When you feel strongly convicted about sin and judgment and the need for righteousness, your convictions are easily caught by others. Strong church, strong nation. That's why we need to pray fervently behind closed doors and also publicly, openly, so that God can reach those behind the doors of power, that God can upset the plans of the prince of the power of this air, who is Satan himself. He is a defeated foe. He's not an equal to God. He is a created fallen angel who's doomed to a place called hell. And he's going to hell. But my gracious people, we don't have to lie down and die 
and lose our convictions. We don't have to lay down. We have the power and the might in our possession. Greater is he that is in you than is he that is in this world. We have his victory only through his grace and blood. Give the Lord a praise. Give him the glory in the house. Someone told me one time, they said, when you say give the Lord glory, I just don't know if I like that. You know what? The devil don't either. But you know what? I don't care what people think. Give the Lord the praise in his house. This is his house. The Lord has put up with such slander and such cursing and so much mockery. God forbid the church of Jesus Christ become a bunch of mutes when we need to speak and praise his glorious name. Don't ever be afraid and don't let anyone ever intimidate you about being quiet and don't praise his name in his house. Praise him. Praise him. Raise your voice and praise God. Praise him. Praise him. The devil didn't want me to preach this message. Whoa. He, is, he has been ticked off with me. When I was studying and preparing this, wrapping it up, and I told my prayer group, my wife and Mason were sitting in our little area. We have a little small sitting room. And um, I was finishing this sermon. And as I was finishing this sermon... I got plowed right between the eyes physically. Mason was to my right. I thought Mason did it. It was just like he caught me off guard. I thought, did he kick me? I got plowed right between the eyes. It took my glasses and just pulverized them. And I wanted him to pulverize him. I thought he did it. But I looked over and I realized he didn't do that. I just got these new glasses and they were clear, so dark frames sometimes bother me, but these were clear frames and the things just broken in, in pieces. The wings got pushed out and then I got a, the thing ran between my two eyes and it dawned on me. That was a punch from Satan says, don't you even think about that. We, we sense an evilness in that room. It's like Satan says, I'm going to shut you up. And for a second, I thought, uh, when I began to realize that was a swing from Satan, I thought, maybe I better back up. I thought, no, that's the time that you need to step up, not back up. (laughs) And I'm holding my glasses, and my wife said, what was that noise? I said, I got clobbered. So the three of us, we sensed the evil presence, we prayed. My wife prayed and I prayed. And then Mason wanted to pray. So we prayed. We just prayed the blood of Jesus to throw out the forces of evil. So we're not afraid of you. You're defanged, dethronged, dehorned, whatever D is, you've been deed. You're out. You're going to hell. And so we prayed. And we prayed victory. We just prayed for the angels of God to protect us because we've never felt such dark animosity, which told me something. The devil knows something that maybe I don't know, that we've got people in this church who, after hearing the message from the Lord, and it's from God, 
if they embrace this, they might be the very key to restoring this land called America. So we went to praying. My wife prayed, I prayed, and then Mason prayed. I ain't going to tell you how Mason prayed. I will tell you. He gets to praying, and Jesus, would you save the devil and forgive the devil of his sins and turn his heart? I'm like, what? <laughs> so, I open my eyes while he's praying, and, she's, and he's praying that God would save the devil and save our land. Only out of the heart of a child. And I told Mason after he got done praying, the devil's too far gone. You don't need to pray for him. Let him go his way. He made his choice. What am I saying? If my people, which are called by my name, called by my name, they call themselves Christians, if they would just humble themselves and if, if they will just begin to pray again to me, if they would look, look my way and look past the busyness of their life and, and look and see me up in the heavens, if they would seek my face, if, if they'll turn from their busyness, then I, I will hear from heaven that I'll forgive their sins and I will heal their lands. If just the Christians in America applied this first, if the Christians hearing my voice in this church would humble ourselves and to begin to pray fervently, if we at Crossroads begin seeking the Lord's face and most importantly turning from our busyness and our worldly endeavors, our nation can be saved. The church is weakened. It's weakened in its attendance. It's weakened in its prayer. And it's weakened in its finances. I've been taught everything rises and falls on leadership. And God had to deal with my heart. He reminds me, Tim, Crossroads is not your church, it's my church. That sweet congregation, they're my people. You're the paper boy. It's not your place to decide what's preached, not preached, not preached. And many times I fear, I don't want to upset this crowd, I don't want to upset that crowd. But God says, no, you preach the word and let me deal with the hearts of people. Let me bless my people, but you do what is right. And I've had to do some tremendous introspection through this trial in my own life that I want to preach God's word. I want to be totally surrendered to him. I myself want to be obedient to him. I myself want to walk circumspectly before him. I want God to use us. I want God to bless this church. God laid on my heart to do a prayer walk for America. The whole month of August, we're going to preach on getting strong as the body of Christ. On September the 7th, I've designated this day, the number seven is the number of completion. On September the 7th, 10 o'clock in the morning till noon, I've, we're going to open up the gym. And we're going to ask our people to come and do a prayer walk for America. 
And I want you to find some people to sponsor you, to say, hey, I want you to pray with America, but I want you to pray for me because I'm going down to the church house and I'm going to walk that gym and I'm going to take 10 laps and I'm going to ask 15 people, a minimum of 15 people to stand by you, to support you, and not only support you in their prayers, say, I'll give you a dollar a lap just to be able to walk around there and to pray, and and a maximum of 10, and find some people to say, I'm going to pray with you and pray that God would make our church strong again, strong in prayer, and strong in our attendance, and strong in our activity, and strong in our finances, and then let's build this church up for the glory of God. Let's, Let's God use us in a great and a mighty way. God can use us. I thought if God could raise up 200 people, and I have sign-up boards when you get, you get out of here, you can go and say, you know what? This land of America was turned around for the Lord, and my name is on the docket. I did something. Get your name on there and say, hey, I'm going to find 15 people to support me and to pray with me and to be committed to prayer. And I want to be in the attendance. I want to be in my spot. I want to, I want to do something to save America, to see America restored. I, I want to strengthen the finances of this church. And I want to tithe and give and work and, and contribute. I want to do everything I can to see this great, great bastion of blessing to grow strong. I'm asking you, will you join me on September 7th? I'm going to begin asking People say, hey, pray with me. People outside the church, will you pray with me? I'm going to walk 10 laps on September 7th. I'm going to walk. I'm not a great walker, but I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask people to financially support the work of God. I'm going to ask people to to pray with me in prayer. I'm going to ask them to be attendant with me in church and to serve the Lord and to lift him up and honor him and glorify him. I'm asking, if if my people, my people would call on me, if they would pull away from their busyness and tend to my house and pay attention to my place that I have appointed for the preaching of the word of God, that they would lift up this great ministry. In this dark hour, we don't need politics. No revival's gonna come from the White House. I got news for you. Revival's gonna happen when God's people pray. Will you join with me? This morning, I'm gonna have a prayer for America.